Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. I have with me today Robert Hatcher, who is the co-founder and CEO of Origin, and that's spelled A-U-R-I-G-N. And Origin has just made tons of successes in business planning and um, entrepreneurship startup competitions. Um, And Origin is a music publishing database that collects royalties and captures accurate metadata, basically makes the use of licensing publishing rights easier. And they use artificial intelligence and blockchain technology. So first of all, Robert, how did you get the idea for this business? What's it to land on the solution that we have today? You know, one of the the services that we've provided was a uh, collaborative studio that allowed you know, music artists to basically share and communicate and collaborate, you know, remotely, similar to what we're doing today. And I have a technical background as a full stack developer, as well as a data scientist. And obviously, you know, for those who code and program, we use a uh, a system called GitHub, which is like a version control system uh, that basically tracks, you know, the changes that you make to a particular code and project. And, you know, what I saw parallel, I felt like we needed our own kind of version history system for for the music industry, especially for music artists, because essentially there's a lot of stakeholders in the publishing agreement, and there's a lot of communication between multiple parties. And if, you know, somebody's left off or there's some type of error, you know, that that affects somebody's uh, revenue and somebody's revenue stream. So I thought that, you know, we could basically take what we were learning from GitHub and kind of apply it to our own application. So I know one of the things you do is you capture metadata for music mm-hmm. rights. Mm-hmm. How, how does that work? We collect data while music is being processed and while it's being created. And essentially with that information, it helps us kind of identify the users that are uh, participating. And from that data that we can collect, we can start to create these agreements automatically instead of, you know, the current process where you have, you know, let's say me and you are, you know, music artists. And typically we either have a manager or A&R or somebody who's kind of responsible for managing the business side of our business. And, you know, what will happen is, you know, my manager will have to get in contact with me and figure out who I've worked with in the past. I'll tell him, oh, you know, I worked with Matt, you know, last week. He would have to get in contact with you or your manager and, you know, kind of verify, you know, what do we agree upon in terms of percentages? And as you can imagine, typically you can see anywhere between three to 17 people, you know, that's collaborating on a track. So you can imagine how people have been left off, disagreements, all parties involved, can continuously see how the origin of the song is being created and where it started from. So for the business manager and for the artist, it eliminates kind of that anxiety and that fear of, you know, being ripped off of a song. Now, Robert, am I correct that you, to keep track of rights and permissions and licenses, you use some sort of a blockchain ledger? Yes. 
What made you decide to use blockchain for that? A lot of, you know, potential uh, blockchain startups wanted to, you know, do the same thing that we're doing as a uh, digital rights management platform. Uh, in the same, you know, in the same way when it came to music rights or when it came to, you know, um, rights that any type of licensing rights. You know, it could be like photography. It could also be, you know, the management of, a particular sale and et cetera. And, you know, with the transparency, as, as kind of said before, you can kind of see how the changes have taken place, who had, who's participated, what the original agreement is. And it keeps everybody honest because uh, without it, the way that it is now is I can create a, a publishing contract and say, well, me and Matthew decided, you know, a 80, 20 split, but, you know, in reality, uh, we the last time me and you actually talked, there was a 50-50 split. So, but there's no record of the original conversation. There's no record of the original agreement. So for us, you know, blockchain provided a level of transparency and immutability that we felt was extremely important to our industry. And, you know, where we felt like we could have a huge advantage versus some of the other trend, trendy companies that were coming out is they all share a single point of failure. And, and that point of failure is that, even with the blockchain companies that are out now, there's no way to verify that the information that is being put on the blockchain is actually correct. That's a great use of the technology for sure. Now, you have competed in lots of business competitions mm-hmm. and won lots of money. Roughly, how much uh, money have you all won in business planning competitions? I would probably say, I, w- I would estimate maybe about uh, half a million dollars. Wow. Now, obviously, m- most of the people that win these competitions are solving a problem that has persisted for a long time. What do you estimate the size of this market to be? I think that's the fun part. We, we estimated that it's, you know, it's about a, a nine and a half billion dollar market. What's been fascinating, what a fascinating trend over the past decade is that there's been estimated somewhere between two and a half to four billion dollars that goes unclaimed by uh, independent music artists. And that's kind of been a trend that has been a byproduct of, you know, streaming services, what we call DSPs, digital streaming providers like Apple Music, Spotify, et cetera. And what has happened is before you needed a record label to manage distribution, right? In physical CDs. And during the distribution process, everybody within the company, they would go ahead and manage all the registration process with the publishing. And what a lot of people may not be aware of is that every song has the potential to collect between like three and five different types of royalties. So in the past, physical CDs were being manufactured and you know, distribution was in process, you could have the time to make sure that the registration and everything was okay. Uh, but now what we've seen is I can literally create a song today and upload it on Apple Music or Spotify. And a lot of these up and coming and young artists are completely oblivious to the actual business side of the music and the difference between a mechanical license versus synchronization license versus you know, your sound recordings and how to collect the royalties in the process for each individual license. So you have all these artists who are uploading music, but are not actually going through the proper channels to register the music, which is why, you know, people hire a business manager. 
And we thought that was just such a great opportunity for us because essentially what we could do is automate that process for all the parties that are involved. So, you know, when I think about entrepreneurial startups, of course, one of the challenges is finding product market fit, but you first have to develop the technology. And as you're developing the technology, you're continually testing it with potential customers and getting feedback and then morphing or pivoting until you have really strong product market fit. How have you gone about doing that, trying to move towards product market fit? Each step of the way, we basically tested um, our core hypothesis, as well as you know, our product, whether that was in a design stage, whether that is uh, kind of been in the implementation stage. It's such a tedious process and it can be frustrating. But to your point, it is such an important process because if you can decrease the level of risk and understand the demand you know, before you go to market and as you start to go to market, you have a better understanding in terms of how to market your product. You have a better understanding in terms of who your target audience is. And, you know, that that stuff takes time. So that's been extremely uh, important for our process because it really helps us identify uh, where we need to spend most of our resources are and what people are actually attracted to, to our application. These business planning competitions many times have investors there, other entrepreneurs, many times judges or just participants who have been through these phases of entrepreneurship. How valuable has that been, the feedback you receive from the judges and participants? I think it's been great. It's been a great primer for me, as a, uh, especially as a student entrepreneur, to kind of get a taste of the real world, being able to get in front of real investors, being able to get in front of judges who, even if they weren't investors, that could provide some type of feedback from an entrepreneur standpoint. I think all those things that you continue to just kind of take it in. And I think what doesn't get talked about enough is that investors are very diverse in terms of preferences, likes, you know, stage, industry. And I think going through a gauntlet of different pitch competitions and seeing that level of diversity from different investors will help me kind of understand. It gave me a wider range in terms of expectations. I'm a little bit quicker to pick up on what type of investor I'm dealing with, what's important to them, and how I need to present myself to win-win for both of us. When you look to the future now, I would imagine, right, you've got a lot of customers out there that could engage with you, but I imagine there's some companies that will be interested in buying Origin. And categorically speaking, what kinds of companies would gain the most from an acquisition of Origin? One would be these streaming services themselves, the Apple Music or the Spotify's. To be provide you some more context about our industry, I want to say that I think two years ago, I believe Spotify was sued for $2 billion for their mismanagement of not paying artists and, and the mismanaging of collecting those royalties and, and paying the proper artists. For, for those who may not know, obviously, music generates revenue through streams. So, you know, the Apple Musics, the Spotify's of the world, they, they help us generate revenue. But in terms of the payment process, our solution could help them be a little bit more efficient in, in that part, which you know, I think may create like this vertical in- integration 
uh, within the industry and the supply chain where, you know, they have a technology in us that's properly paying the music artists while they generate the revenue for the artists. I think there'll be a strong interest from those type of platforms, especially to decrease their liability. When you ask that question in terms of who may be interested in the acquisition, I think about who do we decrease the most risk for? And I think the first thought that comes to mind are streaming services as well as record labels. You know, record labels also deal with a lot of lawsuits every year, as well as corporations, because it, the difficult part about like this industry is already kind of democratized. As I said before, you may get on a song or you may want to license a song. And if you actually look at the publishing to the consumer, they may know that there may be three artists that are listed for that particular song. Let's use a song like Hotel California, right? And you know every all the members that are in the band, but there might have been four or three other individuals who had a part for that specific song that might have played the piano, that might have played the guitar, et cetera, et cetera, or that might have sung a melody. And those individuals all have different publishers. If you license a song, sometimes it can be difficult to find all the publishers and all the artists associated with ownership of that song. And it creates a sense of liability because it makes it difficult for you to pay them. But if you don't pay them, then they have the right to come after you in a lawsuit. So we feel like our process can be extremely beneficial to record labels. So, Robert, I understand that you started this business as an undergraduate. Now you're a graduate student and you're continuing it. Graduate school and undergraduate, for that matter, is very time consuming. How do you balance running your startup and going to school? Great, great question. So my MBA, I got an MBA with a focus in um, analytics consulting. And the particular program here at Georgia State University was called the FLEX program. And what that means is basically it's flexible for you to kind of curate your workload on a semester by semester basis instead of, you know, just taking a cohort that already has predetermined courses that you're going to take every semester. And I was able to use that to my advantage because with the FLEX program, I was able to take my required courses, but I also had a lot of leeway with my concentration. And essentially, I took courses that had a direct correlation to what I was doing during that time of my startup. So whether you know that's me taking a project management course, whether that's me taking a machine learning course, whether that's a business analyst course or a marketing course to analyze the landscape in the competitive market. All the courses that I, were, that I was taking directly affected what I was doing on a day-to-day basis. So that way, my startup life and my school life were intertwined with each other. So, Robert, there's a lot of students listening to this who some of them have ideas for businesses they'd like to start. Any advice you could give them would be good. But also, I would imagine they're wondering, how did you get funding to start a business where you really didn't have a a product yet? How, How did you pull that off? So I'll start with the first question about giving advice in terms of where to start. Where I would start is I would treat your business idea like a hypothesis and test the demand for that. For example, say you want to start a bakery. You can even do something where you're baking cookies out of your home and you're selling orders online, or it could just be like word of mouth. Create some type of small test to test the demand or whatever your business idea is. And that actually kind of leads into the second question, 
in terms of how we was able to, you know, to win a lot of competitions before actually having a product out there in the market. I would say, I, I think most of the competitions, most startups, most student entrepreneurs don't have a fully functional product in the market or they're in biotech where what they're working on is going to take some years. So that, that kind of played a part into it in terms of where we are uh, in relationship to some of the other startups that we were competing against. I think the second biggest thing that you can do for yourself is create traction. Create traction and create pipelines where you have a clear path to generate revenue. I think one of the things that I did early was I, I started going to, to customers. I started going to businesses. I started going to different organizations that I felt could use our product offering. And you know, before I knew it, we had a really, really strong customer base. We had a really, really strong partnerships that been with us every step of the way and waiting for us to present them with the product. So by the time I was able to do these competitions, I could tell, I could update the investors or, you know, the judges in terms of where we were in the product development. But I think what kind of gave us an advantage was, you know, we've already done a lot of due diligence in terms of developing a sales pipeline or, or developing partnerships. We've kind of garnered some interest from organizations that want to use the product as well. Well, Robert, congratulations on your great progress on this new company and on winning so many planning competitions. Really impressive what you've done. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic Podcast, one word, that's B-E-E-P-I-C Podcast, and now Be Epic. Be Epic.